have one thing to say. You better work, bitch. Hello, welcome to Question Block. I am uh, Alex, or Wires of NYC on Instagram, and with me is... Aerialist, hi! Hey, Aerialist. So today we're talking about your art, <laughs> <laughs> and the history and science of drag. And ballroom culture, which is not my art, but I love it. Yes, you it's love it. It's my kind of art. <laughs> I have been asked by multiple people, not joking, they were like, your partner, her, how does she, it's her? How does, she, <laughs> how does she, what like influences her drag? And I was like, yeah, she's just an aerialist <laughs> who's really good at makeup. Drag has now become synonymous with just over the top makeup, I think. For me personally, my understanding is that it's a character of masculinity or femininity or it's like dress up when you're, you're like, I'm going to be the dad. And you're like, what does a dad, you know, wear? Or like when I dressed up, I always like to be super, super girly. And I loved playing with Barbies and stuff like that. So I like to be very like doll, doll-like and sort of like, yeah, like kawaii vibes. So I was asked by a friend of ours, they were like, oh, so RuPaul's Drag Race, they only are doing caricatures of women. And I was like, yes, because they're drag queens. The queen generally implies that you're going to do a feminine presentation or androgynous because a lot of it's like very fashion forward and they asked they were like what about women impersonating men and i was like those are drag kings so now that. i think the the pc term is drag performer oh is that <laughs> but, says drag but i like i just i like it because you're a queen you're like I, I love that that's like in the title like automatically and y and yes, i was the gonna attitude say goes with it i was it. gonna say they do you know they've done like flava flav and stuff they've done very over the top like on drag race right yeah in many ways it is almost a yeah impersonation it's like flame of, of like flame if you're extra characters. it's like if you're extra that that would yeah using makeup and storytelling and fashion to just be as extra as possible yeah. what house are you from by the way oh yeah because because drag performers and vogue and ballroom performers all come from houses i'm house of wires <laughs> yes you are <laughs> house of both in your own day-to-day -day life and for this episode, you you did far more research than I did. So why don't you take the lead and tell us about the history of drag? So if we want to say like how far how far back does drag go? I would guess to the ancient Greeks probably in the invention of drama. Yes, exactly. Nailed it. There you go. Much like Shakespeare, I guess they would sort of cross-dress. Men would play women's parts. Yeah, because women weren't women allowed in the theater. <laughs> They yeah. weren't allowed in theater. And I remember from our Olympics episode, there famously was the woman who competed in the Olympics, right? By pretending to be a man. A coach. <laughs> coach. Coach okay. realness. Nice. The penalties for women doing stuff like that was crazy, though. They're like, you, we'll just throw you off a cliff. Yeah, the Greeks took it very... Their misogyny was very serious. Yes. And then 16th and 17th centuries, there's like Shakespearean theater and... And the, the church was like, yeah, it's it's ungodly for women to do anything. So <laughs> to do anything fun. Yeah. Yeah. So men, they were like, we don't want to ruin these plays because, they, you know, they're like the drama of it all comes from the interaction, the, the the interaction between the sexes. So they tried to be convincing. Yeah. How are you going to write a romantic comedy or, you know, one of Shakespeare's, you know, romances? 
if you don't have women? Who's going to play Lady Macbeth? Who's going to play Juliet? Yeah. Yeah, the church. What is it? What was the church thinking? Okay, so of course men have to like dress up to play these roles. Yes. So they would get a youth? They would get a youth? Exactly. They would get a youth to play, or like a, a boyish, boyish lad, a twink to play the, the female parts. And they were like, especially effeminate, or they tried to just play like an accurate, like Lady Macbeth character? We, oh, because Lady Macbeth was kind of masculine. Wait, that's, yeah, a, like, that's Butch Queen realness. Yes. If anything, Macbeth should be the effeminate one. It's and true. Lady, Lady Macbeth is pushing him around. And th- th- people think that maybe the drag, the word drag came from this time period because the, I guess they didn't have good tailors at the time. So the, the outfits were like, the dresses were dragging on the floor. Oh, that's funny. Good oversized them. Or maybe it was a drag. Oh. They were like, oh man, I don't want to play the woman. Is What a drag. <laughs> They're probably the most fun parts, I think. I'm thinking about like a Midsummer Night's Dream where you have like oh yeah, multiple like yeah great uh, young female characters. There are also a lot of androgynous characters in Shakespeare's plays, like the one that I'm like named Ariel. after, Ariel. Yeah, who's an androgynous fairy is sometimes ref- in Shakespeare's text is referred to as he is a fairy. So. Yeah, I think Puck also is pretty androgynous, although written as a male. In 1660, King Charles II was like, you know what? Women can be in theater, too. I think because he was, like, vibing with opera and stuff like that. And he was like, I want to hear those high notes. And Really? Yeah. So just to give a little historical context, King Charles II is uh, the Catholic king who basically took over after, like, threw the Protestants out of power again in uh, 1660 or whatever. Um, and so the, the Protestants had been very like Puritan and making like forbid, forbade dancing and everything else until 1660 when Charles II, the Catholic, uh, yeah, under this way of France came back in and made everything fun again. Except men, they really liked dressing like women. They were like, damn it. (laughs) We were kind of having fun. We will still do this, but we'll make it like a performance of its own. We're going to be really, really over the top instead of convincing. Yeah. Because they, they really enjoyed They were like, I got all these dresses made and stuff like that. And like, got all these wigs. So. Yeah, everybody realized the best parts were the feminine roles anyway. Yes. And out of this, we get pantomime or panto. It's evolved around masculine looking actors feigning effeminacy. Effem- effeminacy. For laughs, while a female actor played a young male protagonist. <laughs> the first pantomime opened in 1723. So and, uh, we learned about yeah, panto from UK Drag Race. Yeah. There was a category called panto, and we were like, what are they doing? I don't understand it. And Michelle Visage, of course, is like, that's not panto. Yeah, so <laughs> like, what are you yeah. She said, now that's panto. Yeah. And we were like, they all look like trash. But we looked it up, and it's... Uh, the modern, I guess, version has done is that it's like around Christmas time generally. There are these plays that like, especially for kids, and they're very like fourth wall breaking. And so there will be like storytelling and some acting that's very over the top and super campy. And then there'll be like, I don't know, it'll be like Snow White. And she's like, maybe I'll go look at the spinning wheel. And everyone's like, don't look at the spinning wheel. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, that's Sleeping Beauty. Sorry. It's well, <laughs> they're like, it's, it's the wrong it's play. Don't even. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, 
some equivalent or they're like maybe i'll go look in the stable and they're like the bad guys in the stable don't look in the stable <laughs> and so yeah participatory theater yeah charlie chaplin but with words maybe yeah maybe yeah <laughs> okay okay so like the the british are like this is all like english theater now mm-hmm. and it's been it's going well in the in the u.s there's been a lot of issues they don't really have time for theater <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> America famously did not start producing good cultural artifacts until probably the 1900s. 1858. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's actually when William Dorsey Swan was born in Maryland. And it was actually born as an enslaved person. Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's right. Swan, like in his. Maryland was Youth, north of the was, Mason-Dixon. Yeah, he was he was freed, and he started organizing these series of balls in Washington D.C. It, it would they would be like gender bending balls where everyone was supposed to dress up. So a lot of times, I think women would dress as men, and men would dress as women. They were balls. So William Dorsey Swan clearly a gay historical figure. Yes. It was kind of like the first instance of someone using the word drag queen because he referred to himself as a queen. A queen. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yep. I did not know drag. He called himself the queen of drag. So most attendees of his gatherings were men who were formerly enslaved and they wanted to wear like their finest, you know, so they would get like silk dresses and all these things. Um, <laughs> it was known as the House of Swan. So maybe he was the first drag house. Yeah. And that's wild. Drag began before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And there was also it was sort of like a, a mini like stonewall because there was one point where one of the balls was raided and he instead of fleeing, he like stood his ground and <laughs> in the article it says that like his he had like a cream colored satin dress and it was ripped to shreds, but he stood his ground you and he fighting cops in a ball gown. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. That's uh, uh yeah. Whenever that happened, that's the, a century before Stonewall. Exactly. And he also, uh, one other uh, sort of like cute campy. Th- I mean, it's not cute, but it's kind of campy. He was arrested a couple of times for different Things, but they didn't want to say like you're having drag balls or I think what he also like helped to run a brothel but his citation for that was having a, an unkept house or like a messy house that was like what they what they would say instead of like running a brothel or like okay that's, yeah. that's quite, quite a euphemism sure they, <laughs> If you look him up, there's no pictures of him. A picture will come up, but it's not him because there actually weren't like pictures. Like the the picture that will come up is someone else and it was taken. Remember they had they had photography during yeah, the but, Civil War, but he may not have been able to sit for a photo. Yeah. Because it, it took two weeks to take a photograph in those days. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, I got balls to do. <laughs> the ball scene then continued uninterrupted or like it gradually faded away? Well, these events were, they were secretive and there'd be like secret invitations. So as far as we know, they might have, they might have been going on for quite some time. Mm. Um, drag performing in public in the U.S. goes on the rise in the early, in the early 20th century. 
like after in, like all the Civil War stuff. Well, in the like in the Roaring Twenties, did it come back? Because that was like a very like culturally free period of time. Roaring Twenties, it really came back, but even like a little before that, there's um, Julian Elton. He was part of like the vaudeville scene, so yeah, oh, no. I guess it it like inter- intersected. Like the Roaring Twenties, you really see like drag and ball culture like explode but explode underground um and elton he was into like the subtle art of drag (laughs) okay like he was like i am a female impersonator like that's my vibe so i his whole thing is he would yeah because he would do he would he didn't try and be over the top he tried he tried to be spot on so he would do like like a review, you know, with like like a cabaret show as a, a female. And then at the end, he would take his wig off and people would be like, oh, my God. Oh, for vaudeville. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, it was like his act. I see. That he was a female impersonator. Nice. Like he was like a very like popular star. I think he was more popular than he made more money than like Charlie Chaplin in his heyday. Um, and then there was, well... There was like, what is it, the pansy, the pansy panic or like the violet, the lavender scare, <laughs> all these. I think lavender scare. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Um, or the pansy. There was some pansy. When is this like during in the 20s, like during prohibition or what? This is in the 30s. So okay. actually, the like, like I said, the prohibition really helped. And, mo- and shout out to like the mobsters because they were like, we don't care what you what you do. Like everyone's being illegal uh, up in here. Yeah, like it's a speakeasy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have some good entertainment. And while few, spoiler the alert for the for the future, they also own the Stonewall Inn. So Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, whatever, whatever dates to yeah, prohibition. So nice. Um I mean th- th- I said spoiler alert because it's a little mm-hmm. Stonewall Inn is a little more future. Well, or yes, it's it's historical moment comes a little later. The the twenties had balls happening. Um, it had drag kings as well, like all this energy, and and it was exposing like wealthier white people to like this fantastic underground art they were like yes they were like yes queen we love this yeah, and G- gatsby jay gatsby was probably going yeah to and they were like we'll keep paying for this to like happen and you know come to our house and like in like in public so once there weren't really like speakeasies like there were all these laws that prohibited men from dressing as women and so it's really sad he his act had to be like him on stage standing next to the dresses that he would wear and he would just explain he would be like well then i would sing kind of like this wait are you because it's still a vaudeville performer i mean i know clearly like he was performing drag and was like great at doing drag but like it's it's phrased as if it's a vaudeville performance and that even that was like not allowed well because i like i said with the the lavender scare and like all these rules men couldn't they weren't allowed to wear a, a certain amount of female clothes or they had to be wearing like 90 percent male clothes because that is we saw in like again this is like jumping ahead but like in the queen in that documentary like the men just refer to themselves they're like oh we're female impersonators 
Yes. And they're like, it's clear like what's actually going on, but it, but like also there's like a, the great covers. They're like, no, it's for like a campy comedy thing. We're all just a bunch of fellas yes. dressing up as ladies. Like, oh, this is in like the third, like that's the third. That now. sounds like uh, that act really sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just explain the dresses. Okay, so we're gonna start talking about the queen with flawless Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Who so drag even it continued even through yeah, it through World War Two. It dragged on right before we jumped into like the sixties, which makes sense that it would like you know once again resurface during the the that liberal era. Um, yeah, it's in some like historical movies where they'll show like the USO show during like World War Two or whatever, and it's totally like a drag show happening. <laughs> like World War Two, there's yeah American soldiers throughout like the Pacific and like going around the world. And like they have USO shows and they want to, they do not like care about whatever the laws are back in the US. They want to see like a really fun drag show. So I think there was like cross dressing for some of those. I guess they would call it cross dressing, not drag. It's interesting because it's kind of like, I guess men were like, we want to be in a beauty pageant too, because these these were like beauty pageants, like Miss USA, basically. There are categories like the bikini category, you have to give a speech, you know. Um, yeah, and they they called themselves female impersonators, and actually, in the Queen, mm-hmm. I believe Pepper Labeja, who is not a Labeja yet, is just like Pepper. You know, this this there's a man who's talking about how he actually really wanted to serve in the in the army, but he but he couldn't because he's like I didn't tell them I was. I was gay, like they told me. Oh, yeah. And so sixties would be like, yeah, Korea or Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. They went. Th- yeah, they they like got drafted, or they tried to enlist, I guess. And during yeah, and the, like, the no. test, they were like, <laughs> no, they're, they're just like it's the Grand March, and they're like both. They're like, God, God, God. Okay, so flawless Sabrina, who so the Queen is a documentary that precedes. Precedes mm-hmm. Paris is burning, and you can watch it. I think you can just like watch it on YouTube as you can with Paris is burning, uh, and it it follows the. It's the amazing m- these films got made and shot because were, someone was paying for like celluloid film and then had to edit it by hand. So it's the Miss All America Camp Beauty Pageant, which is a female impersonation pageant. So, Flawless Sabrina. So we're explaining qu- quickly sort of the plot or what happens yeah. during The Queen, which is a documentary that records a, a drag competition in the mid-60s. Yeah. In New York City. 1967. And Flawless Sabrina would organize these competitions around the East Coast. And you see, in the documentary, you see it is it is really great. It's behind the scenes, and it's like also a great documentary of just New York. <laughs> But you see all the queens out of drag, like going into this, like I guess they rented a, a house, like an Airbnb. The, it is. I think it's the New York, the New Yorker hotel. Oh, okay. It's um, so informal though. There's no check-in to register. They're all just sort of like well, walking around from like room to room, and there's common areas, and they're all unpacking their stuff and like going through their makeup and hair and everything. Yeah, I mean, flawless Sabrina. How you know? First, you have to find a place that will host. The competition, and then you have to find a hotel 
that will like let all the queens stay there and then you have to figure out a way to like keep all of the queens like in there and from not like I don't know I don't know what they would do in there but you know get go, makeup go everywhere perform at the Stonewall Inn yeah. yeah you have to get them to the show yeah a lot of stage managing yeah so they rent like a hotel ballroom yeah. for the night and there's this there's this very young queen this ingenue <laughs> Um, named Harlow, I think Rachel Harlow, mm-hmm. and she she's just kind of a mess though because she doesn't have a good wig. She's like, oh, can someone like lend me a wig? And she, you know, and Flawless Serena's like, that that's that's not gonna do. Like, you know, we're gonna need to get you a better dress. Like, they all have the mid Atlantic exactly. Accent. But there's a lot of contestants. It's when you see the footage of the the contest, it's like there's numerous categories. There's at least fifty queens, I think, in the like oh, pageant. Yeah. There there's like really like a whole walk. Um and it is very Miss America almost. There, the crown there's is like, like multiple different yeah. outfits. Yeah, there's a big crown. And they're they pack out a ballroom. There's a huge audience, which is like you don't see them in the dark because of the cameras at the time as well. You're just seeing what's on stage. But like it's a full packed ballroom. It is. And so there's another queen who's in the competition who has made a name for herself. Has She's she's a, a title holder, and her name is Crystal LaBeja. Her name used to be Crystal LaAsia. <laughs> nice. Because she was very light-skinned person she of color. Looked, she looked Asian. <laughs> okay. And then Latino performers started calling her Crystal Beja, she La, was beige color. She was, no, no, La La Belle like beautiful. Oh, okay. So then she just shortened it to La Beja. But she really did have a bunch of titles, and she does seem like very prepared, very professional. But she comes in third, and then she walks off the stage like before they can finish everything. She's really pissed. You're gonna play iconic the read. <laughs> yes, uh, I will play it. It's a speech about how the the ball was rigged and how they say they tell her not to show her color. They're saying like, you know, you're showing your color, and she's like, I have a right to. I'm beautiful, and I know I'm beautiful. So your point is, this is both the earliest recorded drag read, and reading is you'll explain. Fundamental. Reading is fundamental, but you'll explain exactly what a read is and what shade is. And, and then, she does both. And it also <laughs> is. Uh, She's she's addressing racial issues, and this is the height of the civil rights movement. It's 1967, yeah. and her whole point is that she just lost to a white queen who is like bad, unprofessional, <laughs> and sloppy, and she should be the rightful winner. She knows it. The organizers know it. Everybody else, like watching this rant, is aware, and they're being dressed down because they're wrong. And so she's basically telling them you're being racist. And she said that they're use. She's also accusing them of using her name to. Like probably saying like Crystal LaBeja is competing. It helped sell tickets, you know, because she she was a title holder. So she's like, you will not use my I called Sal. He told me not to come down here. Right. None of the the true true beauties, beauties. which, yeah. And her accent is fantastic. So please, yeah, play it. You know she didn't deserve it. All of them, the judges knew it too. But she was terrible. And her explanation for why she wanted the money to put it in in the the bank. bank. Huh. She's not getting any money. Oh, she thinks it's rigged too. Sabrina's not even going to pay her because they're friends. And next time she should drop and the 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 the
You better get the hell back to Philadelphia. Get the hell back to Philadelphia. Where is the Sabrina? I'll sue the bitch. I'll sue the bitch. And if she releases any bitch on me, I will sue the fool. She won't make money off of mine, dang dog. She can make it off of Harlow and all the rest of the fools that will flock to her. But not Crystal, darling. Anybody flock to her. You can take all the pictures you want of me, but I better not see them on the street. Because it's over. Um, get a picture with me and Harlow and see which is more beautiful, darling. The judges didn't have any taste. It was with you that the judges were with, darling. And Harlow says nothing. All the true beauties that can play. Are you showing no color? Okay, let's let's, yeah. move, let's move along. Anyway, absolute classic read. In yeah. the like, a friend of the organizer won, and probably never collected the money because the organizer just didn't have to pay anybody if they rigged the competition and got to keep all the ticket sales. But also, she's accusing them of being racist. Yeah, because a white woman won, and she's a beige woman of color. So yes. what did she do in response? So her and her friend Lottie decided to form the House of Labasia and do their own ball. And I think Lottie's in that movie too. This is rigged. This is bullshit. I'm going to start my own. I'm going to start my own nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start my own drag competition. So they had the, it was the first annual House of Labasia ball at Up the Downstairs on West 115th Street and 5th Avenue in Harlem. And it took place in 1972. Hmm. The first time the term house was used, it says that it was coined by LaBeja, but we, we know it was coined by Swan. But um, yeah, it was used in order to market the event. And then that event was a huge success and other houses sprung up. And at, the, I, at this ball, I assume that there were like more fun categories because when you think of like Miss USA or whatever, like we said, there's like the bikini, there's like the... I don't know, the evening gown, I guess bikini evening and gown. And the queen, and like that's exactly piece. what they're doing. In the queen, they have gowns. They do swimsuits at some point. They do an interview portion. They yeah. say, why do you want to win the prize? To put it in the and bank. Arthur's <laughs> answer is to put it in the bank, which is the dumbest answer. Yeah, I'm sure Crystal gave some like great uplifting response about like yeah. to empower like queens of color. <laughs> then the New York ball scene was born. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> and the categories are clearly much more fun, even in Paris is Burning, which was filmed in the 80s, like yes. 10 years later. The announcers are very flamboyant. They're not trying to do Miss America. They're doing their own right. very Harlem-feeling thing. Yeah, it's and it's it's very, like, loud and, and to a beat. There's just a constant beat, like, with... With like four counts, yeah, yeah. and there, it's almost like a freestyle. Like the the announcers is is like another category. I think I saw like announcer versus announcer <laughs> to introduce each other. Yeah, yeah. that uh, I I really want to see that because I bet they're also like shade. It's like how you introduce someone during a roast. You like mm -hmm. it's a skill. It's very hard to do. Yes. 
So Paris is burning. It's a it's a controversial film. No, here's what I think happened. So uh, Jenny Livingston, who's the director, I listened to an interview with her. A cis white woman. A cis white woman. How dare she? How dare she? She, I interviewed, or sorry, I listened to an interview with her and Pepper LaBeja. Yeah, and they're just kind of like, talking about the behind the scenes filming and whatnot. And you can also watch on YouTube, there's about two hours of edited out footage. And there's some footage where like they're interviewing they're interviewing someone and there's just like gunshots and the and you hear the cameraman be like, wait, was that really gunshots? And the queen is like, well, yes, don't you hear the people running in the street? <laughs> like, so it's, it's Jenny Livingston just sounds like a doe-eyed, yeah, it, it wet behind the ears little like hippie. Before you go too deep, let's just summarize for yes. people who haven't seen it. So we just talked about The Queen is like a late 60s documentary about a female impersonator contest at a New York hotel that was rigged. And then Paris is Burning is the most famous drag documentary filmed in like the late 80s about uh, New York City, pretty much Harlem, I think, ball culture, yes. where it evolved to after this Crystal LaBeja rant and like what the ball scene had become. It's really filmed is like kind of out of nowhere. It's just this like great time capsule of gay people of color in New York City in the late 80s and the ball scene. But there's also tons of interviews about like what their you know daily life is and their day jobs yeah. and everything else and like interviews with them in their apartments and how they're living and what they do. And a lot of them are, are trans too. Any listeners out there who have not watched it, it is, it is a phenomenal film, both just for capturing New York City. The documentarian Jenny Livingston takes a, a super backseat role and really just lets the subjects talk. Yeah, and she gets a lot of shade thrown at her because they're like, she's a cis white woman. And, you know, she she wanted to know like, like the seedy underbelly or she... she she made the film appear that it was like about crackheads or something. I think she had to market it in a certain way or like the marketing department maybe use some. I don't think there was a marketing department. It's an independently produced. Okay. I think she was fresh out of film school and was. I can like, tell you how she's. I, I will tell you what yeah. happened from her point of view. I'm saying what people's beef is. Yeah, that what's her, what actually happened. But what happened is she was just like a very like naive woman who was new to New York and was just like. I don't know like what I should make my films on and she was just like go around the city taking pictures with her camera and then she saw these people like dancing and she's like I had never seen such a dance before and I asked if I could take their picture and they were like sure if you want to see more of this come to the gay center on 13th street and 7th avenue which is still there today mm -hmm. and there's a ball there and she she was like fascinated with it and then she asked to like go to their house and and just like film and got a ton of footage because like I said there's another two hours of just like yeah so interview really like fresh out of film school wanted to be a documentary maker probably had some bullshit day job moved to New York City and was like what am I gonna make my documentary about yeah and discovered the the ball scene and then just very much took a back seat for almost all of the recording or whatever and followed people around and just filmed them. Spent a fortune probably on film. Yeah. And paying camera operators. And she did say that money was limited because she didn't, she, she was like, yeah, I wanted to film like, you know, the other sides of things like their, their families that had rejected them or something. And then but the film did very well for a micro documentary. So I, and, 
what it made two hundred fifty thousand dollars. She sold the rights or something. Yeah. Or the distribution for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then gave a fifth of that to the, and the performers had all agreed to. They just weren't paid at all. I don't think they just agreed and thought it was like pretty much for free. But so did she. I mean, she didn't and know so she was going to make but money. So, so she gave them a fifth yeah. of the proceeds, and so they each got like. Each of the people with like speaking lines who was interviewed got like a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. So that's why people are like, you know, they hate on her. But I think it's a great film. It's ugh, I could watch it like every day. It's so because good. Because of the characters. Who are some of the yes. characters? In okay. That? So we have Dorian Corey, who actually was a vaudeville snake charmer performer. <laughs> mm. And is She's very, like, seasoned, and she's seen in the film, like, she's sewing. It's her and Pepper LeBeige are, like, sewing a lot. They're just, like, in their house, like, getting ready. Um, she actually, year, like, years later after her death, they were cleaning out her apartment, and they they found a perfectly preserved mummy with a gunshot because she was also an embalmer. That was, like, her... Uh, daytime job so she took her work home with her yeah she's I, I, apparently she someone tried to like rob her and she shot them and then she like embalmed them and they were perfectly preserved and there's a chest in the movie like in the background and that's like the chest where they found the the body so yeah she's the house of Corey. dorian Corey is the house of Corey, and then pepper labasia a really fantastic vogue performer like he does he does this whole um well he's explaining the hands performance mm -hmm. in the park you know he's like i i start to beat my face like i'm telling a story and then <laughs> i start to put makeup on your face because what you're wearing isn't that good and it's so it's like the the pantomime of it, it's the dance of it it's like mesmerizing it's so good and he's just like sitting in the park doing it and this is him talking about, he's like, I only impersonate women. So he's he's one that is not. Yeah, yeah. this is him. I've been a man, and I've been a man who emulated a woman. I've never been a woman. I never had that service once a month. <laughs> I've never been pregnant. You know, I can never say how a woman feels. I can only say how a man who acts like a woman or dresses like a woman feels. I never wanted to have a sex change. That's just taking it a little too far. You know, because if you decide Super that Grace you want to change here. your mind, yes. once it's going, it's going. A lot of kids that I know, they got the sex change because they felt, oh, I've been treated so bad as a drag queen. If I get a pussy, excuse the expression, <laughs> I'll be treated fabulous. But women get treated bad. You know, they get beat. They get robbed. They get dogged. So having the vagina, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a fabulous life. It might, in fact, be worse. You know, so I've never recommended it, and I myself would have never, ever got it. And I'm so thankful that I was that smart, because right about now, this next 40 or so years that I'm going to be here, I'm going to live. And for those children that can't take the fact that I still look beautiful, ah, suffer. No bags, no lines. See, that's why I felt it. Yes. He was older, right? Because he's like, no bags, no lines. Next 40 or so years. So it's like he's in his late 30s, maybe, when giving that interview. Yeah. But looks great. Suffer, ha! Huh? And then I, they're. I love that line. It's, if anybody, if you ever like, 
<laughs> oh, you can't take my success. Suffer. Suffer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there is a perf- a performer named Venus Extravaganza. And she's just her voice is like ASMR. It's she has like the most beautiful like mm-hmm. it's like soft voice and sh- uh she is on her trans journey during mm-hmm. the filming. She was taken in. I think she she moved to New York because her family she, she's from Jersey and her family was is like Italian and Puerto Rican. So they were, she said they were embarrassed by her, so she went to New York. So I'm sure listeners have picked this up too, but like the drag, right? Houses is like both. It's like modeled after a fashion house, but there's a name, a last name. Um, but also, it's like it is a, a like de facto like family because many drag performers have been. Hopefully, like today, attitudes are more accepting, but have been like rejected by their own families. So you get a family, you get a mother and a father and siblings. Uh, and often, like, there is an actual physical house where you can go live. Um, so it's like a support system very much. Yeah. So uh, Hector Extravaganza, the, the father of the House of Extravaganza, took her out for her 15th birthday. And she's like, he bought me a cake and, like, took, you know, he took her to the ball. And you, to be inducted into a house, like, for the competition, you normally have to compete and like win in a category. And if you don't have a house and you're competing, you're, you're known as a 007. Mm-hmm. You're a secret agent. But she said that just everyone liked her, so she was just in the house, just mm-hmm. like without having to compete first. Yeah, it can be informal. And you do win real big trophies. Yeah, they're really they big. Show, there's a great scene towards the end of the, the movie where like a ball ends and the ball has been filmed and like you couldn't really tell from the lighting, but it was in a high school gymnasium that they rented out. And so like they're leaving and like they, they open the double doors of like the school and there's like kids waiting to come into like the gym to start the school day. And it's a queen who's like six foot six holding a giant trophy. That, like a like, mink that they just uh, went wearing coat. like a yeah, yeah huge mink coat and just these kids are like, like what yeah it's some harlem high school yeah and they say that they usually do it early in the like you know four o'clock or something so the working girls can there's a whole compete. yeah a whole little section of where they explain that in paris is burning and they're like well you know the ball's supposed to start at two but the working girls have to get off work so that's yeah. more at four or five and so in the I'll say there's also Angie Extravaganza, who if you watch How Do I Look, she's featured in that like a lot. They do a lot of interviews with her. So How Do I Look was was a follow-up documentary yes. from another filmmaker in response to, to or burning. to follow up on Paris is Burning because so, yeah. they felt where Paris is burning, I don't know, I suppose lacked enough context. Yeah, and I, and I will say that Paris is Burning is more beautiful and it's more cinematic. How do I look? Re- it like super breaks everything down. And oh, they it tells you what you're seeing. Paris is Burning, you see a ball and you experience it, but you don't necessarily know what the hell's going on. Yeah, they on. just put the title yeah. up in front of they, they, the chapters. So the yeah. chapter, the scenes are the ball, legendary, which is to be legendary. I think there used to be a very specific standard, but... It's it's like it, you have to have been in, in the scene so as like a mother or like oh. a high figure or have won like a number of balls. We referenced that uh, it'd be great if there's an induction, but we referenced that the categories are a lot more fun. 
yeah, I have. By the time you get to the eighties, we'll 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 get there. Well, and now, then today they're wild, but in the eighties at least there was like. Well, there's like well I have I have them like I have. Oh yeah. I have them. Yeah, that's the got? scenes of Paris is burning are the categories. And what are they? So they have luscious body, schoolboy, schoolgirl realness. Yes. <laughs> schoolboy realness was great. So when you hear realness, it means like how straight passing can you be? So. Just like how norm, it's like norm core. But schoolboy realness is very like it looks like something Andre three thousand would wear. Yeah. it's like riding crop or Janelle Monae or whatever. It's like plaid, it's all plaid yeah. outfits, it's like a, super prep. Yeah, yeah, it's like a coach advertisement. Town and country, which you love because they, <laughs> that's when they, that's when they yell at the guy for wearing the women's coat. Was that town and country or was it menswear? Oh, it might have been menswear. Sorry. Okay, that was menswear. So town and country is kind of like dynasty. And Dorian Corey talks about, she's like, now everyone wants to, to look like dynasty. And she's like, she's like, back in my day, everyone wanted to look like Mar like Marlena Dietrich. Uh, and yeah. then she's Marlena like, but Dietrich. I always wanted to look like, I think it was like Angie Horn. I, I know mm. she's like, Horn. <laughs> she's naming like famous, yeah, silver screen film stars. Yeah. Um, then there's executive realness, which if you watch Drag Race, they literally always have an executive realness category. Mm -hmm. um, that would be your category, probably. You'd <laughs> I do a great executive realness. Executive realness. Then there's Butch Queen first time in drags at a ball. And so if you hear Butch Queen, it's basically like a Butch Queen first time in drag. So that's like, it's really rough. It's like bad drag. You just look like a man wearing a dress. I like, I like that. No, I think you just like, don't brush your wig out. You like, mm. you, um, your eyelash is falling off maybe. I don't know. I think that's a funny category. I like that. Um, then we have, or maybe, maybe the, maybe it's like who can, maybe it's like first timers who can be the best. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Then there's high fashion evening wear. Then there's just regular realness, realness, period. Um, oh, then they explain what a house is. They explain, like, the mother. Um, are you going to the oh, yeah, the scenes, which are, like, the categories that they and talk there about. Is a whole, there's a voguing, like, competition, and the dancers keep getting each other's way. Watching Paris is Burning, like, in that scene, they're, like, keeping, I'm like, get yeah. out of the way. <laughs> But the, it's voguing from Madonna's Vogue, who just no, know, it's not from she. Sorry, Madonna featured it in her music video and yes. song about drag culture. And you can learn that this is also in because how do I look? The Vogue video came out in like ninety two or something. But in, in how do I look? They talk about how she discovered the like the Vogue performers at the Sound Factory, also in the West Village Meatpacking mm -hmm. District. And she was like, I don't know how so much talent can be in in so months, like so little and so young, because they were like teenagers. And she was like, come be in my video. Apparently, so voguing is a form of shade. <laughs> shade evolved from reading, and we can also play that clip, right? Okay. Because I have it. Yeah, play it. Dorian Corey. And you'll also hear Venus Extravaganza. Reading came first. Reading is the real art form. Of insult. Now you want to talk about reading. That's Venus. Let's talk about reading. What is wrong with you, Pedro? Are you going through it? You're going through some kind of psychological change in your life? In your life. She went back to be a man. Oh, you went back to being a man. Touch this skin, darling. 
Touch this skin, honey. Touch all of this skin. Okay? You just can't take it. You're just an overgrown orangutan. You get in a smart crack and everyone laughs and kikis because you found a flaw and exaggerated it, then you've got a good read going. I am a person just like you. You cut me, I bleed the same way you do. I bleed the same color. If it's happened between the gay world and the straight world, it's not really a read. It's more of an insult, a vicious slur fight. See, 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 there go my sister right there. She don't even want to even admit that she messes a sheer bulldog. <laughs> but it's how they develop a sense of how to read. That's my husband right there. <laughs> and that's my girlfriend right there. They may call you a faggot or a drag queen. You find something to call them. But then when you are all of the same thing, then you have to go to the fine point. In other words, if I'm a black queen and you're a black queen, we can't call each other black queens because we're both black queens. That's not a read. That's just a fact. So then we talk about your ridiculous shape, your saggy face, your tacky clothes. Let me see what you are. Let's see. No paint. Yes, no motherfucking paint, girl. She wears more makeup than my mother. Then reading became a developed form where it became shade. Shade is... (laughs) I don't tell you you're ugly, but I don't have to tell you because you know you're ugly. And that's shade. Yes. Mm, shade is a subtle read. Yes. Yeah. I like I like that. But then voguing became a way to act it out on the dance floor. So we talked about Pepper LaBeja doing the doing like the makeup and then like beating your face. Oh, turn 